Welcome to an exclusive bonus episode of Mind Love. Today's episode is all about decluttering your mind through organization and tidying. It's one thing to want to get organized. It's another to make the commitment. Are you willing to modify your behavior and, and kind of change your mindset to be able to move forward? Because if you can really be truly honest about that, we have a starting point. People think I either have it or I don't. And we can have a fixed mindset in one area, even if we have a growth mindset in others. Whereas the people with a growth mindset understand that they can learn and they view everything with curiosity. When you make the decision to become organized, you want to be organized to like today, right now. <laughs> I want everything organized right now. And since the clutter and the disorganization probably has been brewing for years, or at least during a temp this temporary, tra whatever transition may have sparked it, it's not going to go overnight. So you have to have some self-compassion with that. So where are you on the spectrum? Have you ever noticed that your mind usually reflects your environment? When my house is a total mess or just full of clutter, it's like my mind takes on that energy. Scattered, chaotic, all over the place. This isn't just an observation, it's science. Studies actually show that clutter can affect our anxiety levels, our sleep, and our ability to focus. It can also make us less productive, but here's the real kicker for me. It can trigger coping and avoidance strategies. So for a lot of people, this might mean that they're more likely to gravitate towards the fridge and snack on junk, or just throw it all to the wind and go down another TikTok rabbit hole. Some people have slightly more dangerous coping strategies like addiction or binge eating or drinking. So all that's bad enough, but our physical environments can also influence our cognition, so our ability to understand things. It can affect our emotions and behaviors, even including our relationships with others. That's a lot at stake for a messy home. For me, I'm like the cleanest, messy person I know. Sometimes I exit a room and it looks like I ransacked the place, but then I'll suddenly get really overwhelmed and start just cleaning all the baseboards. Or I just focus on my husband's stuff and how that's everywhere, even though 90% of it is my stuff. But whatever, I still win. I think because my mom was so clean and organized, I rebelled when I finally had my own space. But the foundation is still there for me, so I'm just constantly teetering between two worlds. But I have to say, the older I get, the more I feel the effects. I yearn for that Instagram-worthy closet where everything's visible and neatly stacked between faux leather dividers and lined up in clear boxes from the container store. A few times I've actually just said, screw it, I'm doing it. Once I tried going totally Marie Kondo, but then I realized that her methods were just way too intense for me. Like who wants to put away the hand soap after every use? Then I made a whole inspiration Pinterest board, went out and spent a few hundred dollars on organization products, and then I got home and didn't really know what to do with it. First of all, I had totally different stuff than my inspiration woman on Pinterest. And can we talk about how many people keep all of their clothes in one color scheme, like all beige and black? How? And what about stains? But anyways, also the boxes didn't really fit my space. I really didn't have a strategy for where to put the stuff, so I got overwhelmed and kind of just let it all unravel. 
Have you ever felt that way? Just all over the place? Well, don't worry. I've got us some professional help. Today, we're talking to Anne-Marie Brogan and Marie Limpert. These two friends quit their corporate jobs to become professional organizers, and now they're the author of a book called Beyond Tidy, Declutter Your Mind and Discover the Magic of Organized Living. What's really cool about this duo is that Anne-Marie also has a background as an applied positive psychology practitioner, so she's able to bring the science and the evidence-based resources of positive psychology to her work as a professional organizer. I've actually been really wanting to do an episode around the whole organization idea since the Marie Kondo trend started, but I didn't really know how to do it given the language barrier between me and Marie Kondo and also just finding the right people that also had this background. So I'm excited about this interview today. Three key things we will learn are how clutter affects the mind, useful tips for how to approach organizing without overwhelming yourself and how to create a vision for your space. And now let's welcome two guests to the show, Marie and Anne-Marie. I was going through your book, and I'm really excited about this. I've had it a, a pin in this idea for a while because I do focus on the power of the mind and creating an intentional life, but I like to kind of go on offshoots of that and not just focus on the typical depression, anxiety sides of it. Uh, and I... And I love the idea of how tidiness really does affect our mindsets, our productivity, all of this stuff. I was, my mom is like OCD tidy. She is the cleanest person that my husband's ever met in his life. She was actually just told, she just sold her house and was told by the real realtor that of the people she told, <laughs> sold to, that this is the cleanest they've ever seen a house left in 25 years. That's what I grew up with. And then I rebelled. I like was like, I am not doing any of these things. And I, I have this internal desire to be that person, but I'm just not. And I'm looking at Anne-Marie's closet behind her and I'm like, that's Instagram closet goals. So I'm curious, how did each of you get started in this? And like, what does the idea of tidiness, how did that become what you focus on for life? So I'll answer how we got together and then Anne-Marie can answer about the tidiness part. Amory and I have been friends for many years prior to us starting our organizing business. And we both were in corporate America. We both, you know, had the ability to be able to, after we got married, to stay home and have children. So once we got our kids at a certain point, it was like, all right, let's just get back into doing something that we might enjoy other than what our careers were before. And, uh, you know, we both were shooting off ideas on how to, you know, keep these little people that were taking over our houses to, to kind of keep it all in check. I mean, we were both very organized before, but something happens when you have a child, you know, or two. I happen to have two back to back. It just kind of throws a little monkey wrench to your routine. And it's a matter of just trying to pick up where you had were before and trying to get it going. So we started shooting, really just brainstorming off of each other, what worked for me, what worked for her. And then our friends were kind of like, hey, this is something that you could really try to help people with or whatever. And in a nutshell, one of my one of our best friends ended up um, just was like, all right, she was a, she was doing her own little side gig of being a decorator. And she's like, listen, I have a client for you. Just get it going. She needs help organizing her attic. It was just a complete disaster. She had years and years of stuff in it. She was also renovating her basement. 
And uh, it was kind of like they just moved everything from the basement into boxes. Nothing was like kind of sorted or anything like that. But in the end, she's like, she got us both together, the three of us together. I happened to know who she was beforehand. And it was like, Amory and I were like, wait, we don't have a business. We don't have a business plan. We don't have like really anything going yet. And that kind of just propelled the business to kind of start. So that's pretty much it in a, like a two minute monologue there. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's been 13 years now that we've been doing this. So, yeah, nice. We were navigating our own transition because like Marie said, we were both in corporate America. We both had like full time overtime jobs. We were managing processes, projects, people, and we had to have our ducks in a row. We really honed our skills and learned during our careers. But when we had children, it was amazing to us how all of a sudden we just felt out of control. I mean, it was temporary, but when you're hormonal and all of a sudden you don't, you know, like it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm like, why am I not showered? Why does my hair look like I stuck my hand in a sock? And why are there toys everywhere? You know, because we used to really have everything mastered. It, it threw us. And again, when you're new to it, in the moment, it just seems so overwhelming. You know, when you look back on it, you say, okay, everybody goes through this. But when you're in it, it can feel overwhelming. And so when we kind of got our act together by helping each other, our friends started to notice that. And at the same time, all of those uh, shows on HGTV, there were a lot of them back then. There's only one or two now. But back then, there was Clean Sweep. There was Clean House. There was Neat mission organization, all of those. So people were starting to be familiar with it. So it, we were like, maybe we could teach other people how to not feel like we did when we <laughs> made that life transition. And right. like Marie said, that's how it took off. And, and we really wanted to be able to pick up our kids from school. So it started out like that. And we didn't know when they went off to college, we'd still be doing it. So that was really fun. Wow. I love so much about that story because I do love highlighting stories of people that are like in corporate America that are like, no, but I have this superpower or, Hey, I've learned this. It doesn't even need to be that superpower. It could be like, this is what I struggled with. And this is what I learned to get beyond. And now maybe I have the knowledge, so might as well do something with it. And it's like, before we started pressed record on this interview, we were chatting. <laughs> so I'm real excited for the next phases of this whole having a kid thing. Cause I was just saying how out of control I feel. And the baby is still in the womb. He's only like four <laughs> inches long. <laughs> so already <laughs> chaoticing my life. I know that's not a word, but it's <laughs> <laughs> <So>, okay. <laughs> so how, how do you, I know that clutter does affect the mind so much. And especially when you're going through a big transition what is actually going on? Like, I, cause we feel like, well, we're trying to be productive. So we're doing all this other stuff. Let's put cleaning to the side. But a lot of times that can be, it's counterintuitive that maybe you should clean up the stuff around you. Why is that? What's going on? Well, just in general research, research studies have been done on this and just the very sight of clutter, it increases anxiety and it reduces productivity. It also leads very often to procrastination, interestingly enough. Just the sight of clutter can cause all of that to happen right away. And so, you know, you're starting out with, where do I focus? And so yeah. from that standpoint, just right off the bat, just from the sight of it. And then when you dig deeper, then there is that, do I have, do I know where my stuff is? Because that's really what it means to be organized, knowing what you have and where to find it when you need it. I wrote that down from your book and highlighted it because it was, it just says, 
Yeah. Organizing is knowing what you have and where to find it when you need it. And it's so true because we just moved houses and it's, we were in a little like one bedroom. We had outgrown it and we had, we were ready for like a three bedroom, which is what we moved into. But it's so funny. I was even just organizing my pantry and I had three giant bags of cacao because I didn't know the other two existed because our pantries were too deep and I, <laughs> I didn't have a system. So it is true because I like to think of when I'm overwhelmed, it's almost like I'm holding a bunch of balloons and they're not tied together. And so it's like, you can't go focus on just one because you'll accidentally let the other ones go. And that's what clutter does to me. It's like, I see it and I'm like, well, I should clean that. And I can't get into what I'm actually doing because I'm thinking of all these things that I should do instead. And then it makes me feel guilty. My energy goes down and I end up doing nothing. One of the things that I want to just kind of hone in on is even just the, what people's perception is of, organizing versus cleaning versus tidying. And we really try to establish a difference between the three because cleaning is, you know, obviously cleaning the dust, cleaning the, you know, whatever, you know, the the germs that are all around or whatever. But in terms of, and tidying can just be simply moving things around, kind of putting them to the side, maybe putting them in a closet or putting them in a drawer or generally putting it in the area where you think it would belong. But when you're truly organizing, it's organizing, you could be organized and not necessarily be clean and you could be clean and not necessarily be organized. But clearly by organizing, we want, you know, some people just can't get to the cleaning because they just have so much clutter all around. So they're cleaning around it. So organizing is really being able to go, like our book says, beyond tidy, because you're, you're trying to come up with a system that will work for you so that you can easily find something like what you were quoting before about from our book. So I just wanted to like, kind of just make that point about organizing, because there's a lot of different principles that we have in the book. And you know, some of them we didn't create. There were things that people have always said. We happen to say everything deserves a home, but other people will say, you know, everything in its place or one place for everything. But it truly is a matter of like creating an association of where you're going to find that particular category. And the idea is, is not to necessarily be looking in three or four different places in your home, but kind of just honing in on one spot, like an internal GPS system to be able to be like, you know what, this is where I need to go to find this. So, and Amory will attest this. I mean, things don't have to be Pinterest perfect or Instagram perfect, as you were kind of saying about her closet. So it's really about just doing something, finding something with the least amount of stress and making sure that everybody in your home um, can really find it very easily. And you're not duplicating things. I mean, that's pretty much in a nutshell, you know, but we focus a lot on, on energy, you know, you mentioned energy before and how you felt in trying to kind of find what you need. And that is a big thing. And you also used a great word that we truly believe, or you used the word superpower before. Yeah. And that is such a fantastic word because Marie and I truly feel that being organized, I mean, obviously being organized is great. It makes life easier just on, on a surface level. But we truly believe it can be a superpower for people. And it could transcend just the home. It could, it could be a superpower that you use in your business, even if you are in corporate America. If you're a leader in any way, shape, or form, if you're a parent, whatever it is, when you live an organized life, it supports your goals. It supports the way you want to show up in the world. 
And what we try to focus on in the book, which I think differentiates us a little bit, is that we give examples of how an organized life goes again beyond tidy, beyond what you're seeing in front of you, and impacts so many other parts of your life. The way you manage your emotions. You know, are you getting depleted? Is, are, do, you, do you have good emotional regulation? Are you making intentional focused decisions because you have enough mental resources because you haven't been de depleted just by getting up in the morning? You know, are you communicating with your family or your colleagues? How are you, how are your communication skills? Again, because there's not all those negative emotions that comes from feeling like you don't have mastery over your space and your belongings. There's a lot that goes into it. So while other people may talk about, yes, everything deserves a home or grouping like items together, a lot of, you know, that's a very common principle. Obviously we didn't invent that, but we take a little deeper dive in the book to show why that's important and how each one of these principles will save you time, space, money, and energy. There's so much lost energy in disorganization. And there's so much lost energy just from the negative emotions that come from feeling disorganized. And that's a part of, and, you know, and then it's this vicious cycle because it becomes mental clutter, right? That feeling like I'm overwhelmed, that feeling I can't, those two words, I can't, which is why we talk about, we do a very light sprinkling of positive psychology research in the book because neuroplasticity, you know, you don't have to do a deep dive into neuroplasticity. All you need to understand is that science shows us that no matter where you are, you can get better at this skill. Right. That you, you know, that the brain can create new neural pathways. You, it's not a matter of whether or not we have the organizing gene. <laughs> some people are organized and some people, it's not a personality trait. These are skills that can be developed. And when you know, when you, when you learn to have self-compassion and to just have a dedicated mindset and effort towards that goal anybody can get a little further than they are now and that's just a beautiful thing that we you know that's why we talk so much about growth mindset it's such an asset in the organizing process i'm glad you you brought that up because that was my next thing to say is you know so many people think that they can't get organized and they just get overwhelmed on where to begin and really it's just a lot of like very simple techniques that you know, first of all, it's increasing your self-efficacy, like believing that you can be able to get organized even if you're not, you know, or you might think you're not organized, but meanwhile, you know, we might go into a client's house or office or whatever and just be like, you know, they're so beating themselves down that they don't have their act together. But meanwhile, it's like we point out the positives about what they are doing. For some people, like, you know, we have clients that have very deep depression or, you know, they have, you know, OCD or they have ADD. You know, I mean, we're not, we're not trained in necessarily those fields, but overall we can help them be able to like identify, well, where is it that you are organized? Like for some, like one of our clients, just simply having maybe all of her socks in a sock drawer, even if it's like separated by color, that might be enough for her. Or just the idea of like just dumping them all in, not matched together might be the goal, might be the win. You know, whereas for somebody else, taking it a step further and being like, okay, let me get all of my no-shows together. Let me get all of my, you know, maybe my higher socks, all my nylons together. You know, like it's just, it's a matter of where you are in, in your organizational skills. But we can tell you that we feel very strongly that no matter where you are, you can improve and be taught. 
and we will get you to the level that you want to be at that's comfortable for you. We're not trying to make you be like, you know, like Amory's Amory's closet is is a beautiful closet, but she's also at a level where she could take it to the point that she wants it to be at. You know, whereas for somebody else it might just be, let me just get all of my short sleeves together and call it a day. You know, because <laughs> when you group like with like, for instance, like that, um, no pun intended, but you are able to at least identify how much of something you have. And instead of having to be like, oh God, I'm totally missing that. Let me go out and buy it because I can't find it. So this is where the lost time and the lost money comes into play because now you're buying extra things and you're spending the time to go buy it when you really just had it somewhere in your closet or somewhere in your drawers or somewhere in your space. And it's just not together. My cousin is another one of the naturally just super organized people. It's really funny too, because both my cousin and my mom grew up in houses where it was in disarray. And so they just like wanted to have their lives become totally different. But my cousin came over and saw my underwear drawer and said, I looked like a psychotic clean person because <laughs> I have them all Marie Kondo'd stacked and organized <laughs> by color and type. <laughs> Cause I took a few things. There's some things I do, I do really right, but my natural energy to move through space. It's like, I don't want to put things away as I go. Like I, I can feel my inner rebellion. And so I'm wondering when you are working with people, is there one strategy that you follow or do you have to get to know their lifestyle a little bit to kind of come up with something? Because I was talking to my friend who does interior design and I was really inspired by the way that she does it. And I was actually helping her with business. And she's like, oh, I don't think I could ever do bring this online. I'm like, there's things that you can teach by what you do. And she's like, She's like, yeah, but it's so personal for everybody. And I'm like, yeah, but how, what's your process of finding out what's personal? And she started talking about how like, she'll come in and be like, well, what's your daily routine when you come home and you take off stuff? Like, oh, well, you need something there that's a catch-all and you need to have a place for the backpacks and whatever it is. And I was just like, oh, that makes sense. I've never even thought of interior design that way. So does that apply to organizing and tidying as well? Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> We focus on in the book is the, the stuff that we would focus on. It's kind of universal to all projects, but each client is unique. And we touch upon that also because people have to know themselves. You know, we, a, lot, a lot of what gets developed during the organizing process, especially when we're working with people over time, is we increase their self-awareness. You know, sometimes we, you know, we always meet the clients where they are, like Marie said before. We're going to meet you where you are. And then we're going to talk about what are your goals? And what, you know, what is your vision for the space and what are your goals in life and how can the organizing support you? And through that process of talking as we go along and we're teaching as we go along, a lot of useful information comes out and we ask a lot of curious questions. And in that, they have a lot of aha moments. And then we get a sense also, our knowledge of their behavior patterns and what kind of makes them tick will then impact some of the suggestions we make for them. And sometimes it's as simple as there are some people for whom <laughs> they will never allow them to have an open container. And then there are for other clients who, if they have a lid on their container, just that lid will be the demise of all organization <laughs> because they simply will not take the one step to open the lid to put something in it. And it's very, very interesting to navigate that dynamic. So there are different strategies that we'll try for different clients based on our conversations. But then there are the universal principles that we teach along the way. 
in order to kind of establish the basic foundation for the system that will then personalize for you. And it's not even just the client. It's like the client, their situation, their family members, who else is going to be involved in the organization? Who else does this space impact? Or, you know, because sometimes it's also task management, you know, so or, or paper management. So there's a lot that goes into it that's personalized. A lot of these questions are not, I mean, we're not like bullet shooting all these questions at somebody at once. It kind of like evolves as the conversation's gone. But one of the things that there's actually two important questions that we normally will ask people when they first, you know, want to get organized. It's one thing to want to get organized. It's another to make the commitment and wanting to be able to get to that point where usually people, like if they do call us, they do really need to have a change. They know that they've tried or maybe they've had other people try to help them. But but the first question is, are you willing to modify your behavior and, and kind of change your mindset to be able to move forward? Because if you can really be truly honest about that, then it becomes, okay, we have a, we have a starting point. The other is, is that I just wanted to make a point is also about like they, a lot of times people just want to get organized. Well, what is it that you want to get organized? Like, is there a specific space? Is there a specific area? And like there are a lot of times they're just all over the place and they don't know. So we just kind of give them like a little helpful clue as to, well, you know what, if you're not really positive, but you just know you want to get out of the state of disorganization, then take a piece of paper and a pen and just go around your house, walk into your house, walk into your apartment, walk into your space and just jot down what is it that you feel when you walk in. And not just about that one particular open area, but be specific about that room or that space and kind of just go room to room and really be more pointed as to what is affecting you. Because then from there, you'll have like your wish list and then you can prioritize. And, you know, like Amory brought it up before about there's different reasons why people need to get organized. Some people need to get organized immediately because they might have like somebody who's coming to visit. Maybe, you know, their parents are coming in from out of town or they have a party that they're going to be hosting and they need to just get their dining room, you know, stuff. I, I don't want to curse on, on the show, but you know, I was ready to say something else, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right, shit. <laughs> you, you know, you just, you crap, you know, like just trying to get all these little corners. So sometimes the situation might end up dictating what is the priority. But if you don't have those certain situations of time being the constraint, then, or the impetus to having to do something, then it's like, all right, well, let's look at it from a point of what's your priority after you've kind of done your wish list. And then that's really a good starting point of how to begin, because that is always something that people just have a hard time with. Well, what do I begin with and how do I begin? You know, and what's, um, causing, and what's causing you the most stress? Yes. Thank you. That was the mm -hmm. other point. Like, so, so sometimes we'll say what's causing you the most stress or which area if organized, would have the greatest impact on your daily life right now. Mm -hmm. So you might have a lot of like clutter in your bedroom, say, and that might be something that definitely needs to be addressed because maybe it's impacting your sleep, you know, the quality of your sleep and your relationships, whatever it is. But you also may have your kitchen area that's out of control or your papers. And maybe the kitchen is the hub of your home and it's impacting your kids and your husband. And especially now with COVID, you know, if we're in and out of quarantine and sometimes those areas are now multitasking as home offices and schools and different things like that, there's a whole other layer there. 
maybe that's the place to start because that will have the greatest impact. And then when you have that impact and you see that positive change, then that of course broadens and builds the way we look at the world. And then we start to see new possibilities and then we can move on to other areas. You know, that's, that's especially helpful when you have multiple areas that need to be organized yes. at the same time. You know, right. Sometimes people call us and they say, you know what, I have everything under control, but my garage is a mess. Let's <laughs> my garage in gear and I just could use some manpower or an extra set of eyes. And sometimes it just starts out like that. And sometimes it's much deeper because there's a lot of people that come to us feeling shame and extreme vulnerability. Yeah. And, and so one of the greatest gifts that we try to provide is a safe space and a complete non-judgmental tone to the whole process because our goal is is only to move you forward it's right. only to say okay here's where you are and here's where you want to be and how can we support you and how in your circumstances can the organizing process and how can organizing systems support you getting to that place of empowerment you know so we really truly try to empower our clients too and very often it starts out as organizing or space and people may be thinking in terms of, oh, this looks better. Again, that look, what does it look like? And then it winds up starting this beautiful positive chain reaction. People start to lose weight, they get fit, they, they eat healthier, they start going out, they try new hobbies. It's all of a sudden, everything expands. Right. You know, again, that broaden and build mindset of positive emotions and what it does for you. People underestimate the power of self-belief in our actions and like, we think that, well, we're building our beliefs by what we're telling ourselves and all of that, but you don't realize that by what you're not doing or what you're letting go or what keeps showing up in your life is building another self-belief. Like I, I talk about this a lot with our goals in general, because it's like for a long time, I had this goal that I wanted to do something else, but I kept putting it off. And every time I put it off, I was building the self-belief that I was the type of person that procrastinated, that I was the type of person who couldn't do this, that I was in indecision. People don't also realize that indecision is a form of pain. It's not comfortable. And so you don't need to have it all figured out. You don't need to have this whole a strategy for where everything's going to go quite yet, but maybe you just start with a drawer or something like that. So you, you start to become, you show yourself it just this 20 minutes. I'm a type of person who can organize, you know, what a beautiful example too, because I know you said you read the book. So we talk about a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, which before I studied positive psychology, I didn't really have an understanding of what that meant. And with a fixed mindset, you believe that your talents and your ability are fixed. You believe or, or that your intelligence is fixed and that what it, whatever it is, it is. And maybe you could stretch it a little bit, but that's, you know, that's what it is. And people think I either have it or I don't. And we can have a fixed mindset in one area, even if we have a growth mindset in others. Whereas the people with a growth mindset understand that they can learn and they view everything with curiosity and they view failure as a temporary thing. Okay, I failed here, but what did work? And what what did what didn't work and what can I learn from that? And how can I how can I do it better the next time or how can I reach my goal the next time? And they view it as an opportunity to grow. And what a beautiful reflection of that. You used to have these limiting beliefs right, about what your ability is, because Marie talked before about self-efficacy, which is something that we stress over um, self-esteem, which is also important, but self-efficacy, your belief that with my abilities and my talent and my knowledge and my ability to learn, I can handle whatever challenges come at me. 
look what you did. You had a fixed mindset about something, but something must have clicked at some point. You had an aha moment and you transcended that fixed belief and you started to learn and figure out and build your confidence. And as you kept going, look what you did. You moved out of that space of what you were doing and you took that leap and look where you are today. I mean, it's just a beautiful reflection of that. And that's what we want to empower everybody with. You can do this. Does that mean that everybody who practices basketball will be Michael Jordan? No, it doesn't. You know what I mean? Like people still have to be realistic, but there's nobody that can't get better. And Marie said something really great before too. You know, when you make the decision to become organized, you want to be organized today, right now. (laughs) I want everything (laughs) organized right now. And since the clutter and the disorganization probably has been brewing for years, or at least during this temporary, whatever transition may have sparked it, it's not going to go overnight. So you have to have some self-compassion with that. So where are you on the spectrum? You know what I mean? Are you at A? Are you starting from ground zero? Complete stage of disorganization. So we're going to go from A in the alphabet. We're not going to go from A to Z. We're going to go from A to B. And then like Marie also said before, so many people, when we start working with them, they're so pleasantly surprised to find out, oh, I'm not as bad as I thought. Oh, I do know. Oh, okay. This part of my life, I'm pretty good. Like, I have a grip. So maybe you're D, E, or F on the alphabet. So now we're going to get you from D to E. You know, again, you have to go to nursery school and kindergarten before you can go to elementary school, middle school, high school, college, postgraduate. Before we can go to your closet. (laughs) (laughs) My my closet is so new. I grew up in a tiny apartment in Brooklyn. And when I moved into this house, it's a nice size house, but it has very small closet. This is actually a room that I converted finally last year. So I just feel, Maria always laughs when I say this, like I have a big girl closet. (laughs) (laughs) So I I just, I I love my closet. But I will say it is, it is quite, I live in gratitude for this office (laughs) closet because I never had that before. Even as an organizer, right. I had I had to employ all my skills in my space because my right. space was challenging. But you know, now I have this little gift. Well, the, the you said something you said something before about um, when you were talking about doing your drawer, and you were saying how you were doing it the right way. That's also for you. That was the right way, you know. And that's something where I, there's a misconception where people think there's only one way to organize something. But like Amory and I are both organized people, but because of our family members or because of our own personalities or just because of how our structure might be with our layout in the house, we will both be organized, but what might work for her family may not work for mine, you know? And so there's no right or wrong way to necessarily organize as long as how you're organizing is working for you. So that's something that I just wanted to make a point out there because um, there's no right or wrong way, you know, it's just a matter of like one size fits all, right? There's no, right. Not a right. One there's no cookie cutter type of situation where, okay, well, if you have a drawer, you have to do it this way, but it's really, uh, you know, a lot of times too, what happens is, is that people will tend to want to focus on a specific area and then they realize that, you know what? there's a lot of tangents to this space. What we might think belongs here, again, in talking about, well, what's your visions for the space? How do you, you know, you mentioned before about your friend being a decorator. That's part of it is like, what do you envision this space to be for you? Of course, on our side, we're going to talk more about functionality and not necessarily like elaborate, like decorative pieces, but we will give people ideas on what might work in terms of like uh, bringing in other pieces or maybe even repurposing something that you have in your own home that might work in this space. We've been able to do a lot with just 
you know, people using like Tupperware containers or Rubbermaid containers to be able, or boxes, shoe boxes, or even just whatever to be able to organize a space. So, so I think that I, because we teach behavior, right? Like that's not so much about making it look so Pinterest perfect. Like I mentioned before, I mean, it would be great if everything visually will look appealing and depending on your budget, you can probably do that. You know, like we run the gamut with people that we deal with. We have people who have, have the luxury of discretionary monies to be able to have someone to give them some ideas, but they truly are disorganized in their own right. And then we have people who really can't necessarily afford having the help, but because they feel so strapped with like where they are in their life and how they just are not being able to like just move ahead. I mean, we've had people who just need help with paper management because they're going through a divorce or they're going through like needing help with child support and they're not getting that from their spouse or, you know, soon to be, uh, you know, divorced spouse. So there's a lot of things that go into play. And a lot of times it's just a matter of like, right, well, it might just be, you know what, let's just get you started. Let's just you, let's just get you out of whatever you're under so that we can at least get you to breathe a little bit. And then if it's, if it's, if that's the goal and we've achieved that, then so be it. We, you know, but at least we know that whatever we've taught them with that specific task they can run with it with whatever space they have or whatever project they might have. So I think that's really what we're trying to get at too with understanding these strategies of how you can use them in anything, in any situation. And it's so wonderful for us when we do feel like somebody actually has those moments and those feelings where the light bulb goes on. And because then we know that they can kind of do it on their own and they feel great about it. And if that's that's the only time we see them, What's that? They they call us, they text us, they, they they're just so proud of themselves, yeah. and or just and we celebrate that so deeply with them, because it goes so far beyond whatever project they did. It, it's just like again, they are they. It's, it's like their physical representation of them saying, "I have increased my self efficacy. I believe in myself. I learned and I took it forward in, in moving." Right. And it's because again, like Marie was saying, the to, the organizers are just the tools. Right. They can't, you know, it's like buying a treadmill, you know, the treadmill's not going to walk for you. Like, you know, unless you get <laughs> you on put it. the work in. Yeah. You got to put the work in for you sure. Know, it's a tool that you're going to use as part of a wellness program, you know, or a fitness regimen, but the, the, the treadmill itself is not doing the work. You have to be in the right mindset to say, okay, I'm ready to make the change and do it. And what Marie was talking also before about the importance of visioning the space. I think a lot of people, when they just see, what they would characterize as a mess. Let's clean up, again, that term, but clean up the mess without regard to how they're going to do it and also what the vision is going to be. When you have a very clear vision of what your space needs to be in terms of function and a clear vision in terms of what you'd like it to look like, what kind of emotions you want it to evoke, is it calm? Is it you know, like my success or like, you know, do you want it to motivate you? So you want to have representation of things that you've achieved, whatever that is, the more clarity you have on that, the more intentional you will be with your decisions as to what you put in that space, what you buy for that space. And you will maybe take that pause before you maybe dump something because no, 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 that's not what my vision for that space is. That doesn't go there. You know, I have clarity on that. And again, when we're developing that clarity through visioning, which we do with our clients, 
they're gaining self-awareness. And very often that self-awareness, again, will transcend the organizing projects and the process that we're doing with them. And it will bleed into other areas in their life. That self-awareness that they take into the workplace, self-awareness that maybe they take into their relationships. You know, again, we talked about energy, right? So when somebody's depleted of energy and, and it's a parent maybe who is so depleted and loves their child so, so deeply, but is screaming at them. And really, it, it, when you kind of, it, it, we're not therapists at all, but if you were to kind of parse what's going on here, it's, it's really, they're not even mad at their child. They're mad at themselves. They're, they're feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling disorganized and all of that. So again, when the organizing process puts you in the driver's seat and allows you to feel that personal mastery, that I can't control everything, but I can control my surroundings. And if an emergency comes up, I'm not going to be thrown as much. Then that starts to affect. Then when the child comes to them, Maybe they react a little differently. Maybe they have some better emotional regulation. Maybe they're not snapping at their spouse. Maybe they're not snapping at their, you know, direct report at work. Maybe they see greater possibilities for things. Maybe they focus their time on building their team skills because they have their ducks in a row as far as organization. And they're also creating that environment for their employees. It's so deep. It can be so deep. And sometimes it just starts with, God, it's a mess and I don't want to live like this anymore. (laughs) Well, you know how when you're creating that vision, uh, it's interesting because it reminds me of, there was this one year, like back in 2011, that I was like, I've lost all my creativity. I used to be so artsy when I was little. And so I made up my New Year's resolution. So I had just moved and I was like, I'm going to either get, I'm going to get all my stuff from thrift stores or Goodwill and I'm going to revamp all of them, which was a lot of work. Highly wouldn't recommend that with a whole new place. But when I first started, I was all gung-ho and then I got really discouraged because I'm like, I don't know how to have that vision for these things to revamp them. And it ended up being where I copied a bunch of people over and over again. And then suddenly I was, it's like my brain changed and I was able to scroll through Pinterest and find stuff. And I, within like a month, I was turning like jewelry arm wires into Ottomans somehow. And I was like, I am a goddess. And it was amazing. <laughs> but how do you, how do you do that with organization? Like, if you're not used to creating that vision, what do you need to ask yourself to actually start to develop it in a room without just overwhelming yourself? Well, why? You know, why, why do you, why do you want to be organized? And sometimes it, it just gets to be a deeper meaning of why that is. And then the onion gets peeled, you know, I mean, we've had, you know, we've had uh, a, cu- a couple of clients where they grew up in, you know, like you happen to have someone who was very organized, right? You said your mom was very organized, but we've had people where maybe with how their parents grew up and how they would just so um, holding on to everything because of maybe the depression that their parents grew up in or whatever. And it's the idea of like, how do I want to live? Do I want to live the way my parents did? Do I want to show my children the same life that I was shown? You know, what do I want different? So sometimes it, it, it ends up being more of like this overall meaning and not so much of the actual project itself, but what they want to change about how they, how they look at themselves, you know? So, and the reason I'm bringing that one up is because there's one client early on, and we actually kind of touch on her in the book, is that reason. She just felt that she didn't want, she had a little boy and she didn't want her little boy to be surrounded by so much stuff that 
they were walking through paths and trying to, and just, you know, it was always like a marathon to try to find something, or it was just, he wasn't able to play because things might've been all over the place, or she wasn't able to like maybe spend the quality time that she wanted with him because she had to do X, Y, and Z. And it was just becoming this overall, like just overwhelming task of even just being able to do something. So that was the reason for her. And so we made that be the impetus every time we would see her. And um, little by little, the first thing is definitely in terms of a strategy is once you have that is, yes, if this is a space, let's do our piles, let's do our sorts and figure out like, what is it that I actually have in this space? What do I truly want to have live in this space? And where do the rest of the things need to go? We're not about forcing people to purge, but we do, you know, we do encourage you to like get rid of the garbage, get rid of, you know, and there are some people that just don't even want to part with something that might be even semi-broken because they think that they could reuse that for something. So it's a lot of like things, but like in terms of a strategy, yes, let's group everything in its categories. Let's throw away what is broken, what is faded, what can't really be used anymore Let's stick with what's here. Then from what you have left or what you've sorted, then just little by little do, you know, you talked before, Melissa, about doing the one drawer. Well, that might be the case where you might get to a point where you you did your space and maybe that's all you can handle for that one particular day. And if that's the case, then we suggest that you write a little note to yourself as to where you are in that process, but make an appointment with yourself to be able to go back to it. We do encourage you to try to finish it if you possibly can, but also understanding, all right, well, if this is going to be a long-term project, let me get a, a date on the calendar. Let me get a specific appointment with myself to be able to tackle that. And one by one, you don't have to handle all of those bins that you sorted or all of those sorts and just take one at a time. Once you go through the one at a time, it's interesting because you start to realize we used to call it move to another room. We would have a bin where if something didn't belong in that category that we sorted, then it needs to go and, and it, it didn't belong in that space. Well, it would go in the move to another room bin so that at least we knew, okay, it's not going here, it's going somewhere else. But it's really important to be able to then take what belongs in that move to another room bin and just, even if you put it in that room, just put it in that room. So that you're little by little doing that one bin which might have a lot that needs to be moved to another space and do it in steps. You know, we kind of use the example of the Pac-Man board, you know, the, you know, the game Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been around, you know, it's like those yeah, little yeah. guys, you know, <laughs> they're, they're eating away at the board, but they do have lives. They don't, they, they don't necessarily make it. They die every now and then. And that's kind of like how we're, you know, you lose, you just run out of steam and you just can't finish but just realizing that, okay, well, let's get through this part and then, and then be able to come back to it. It's just one part of the strategy that we try to implement with people. That's just one step. I love you know, it's that. Funny that. It's funny because in the beginning we talk about, you know, don't look at Pinterest. And the reason why we say that <laughs> is because people look at Pinterest and then they think, I can't. It's too overwhelming. You know? It's like looking at Instagram when you're starting a workout routine. Like, do you want to do that to yourself? You're just going to feel horrible. <laughs> it is. And so we, so we, like we started in the book, you know, saying, stop looking at Pinterest just, just for a moment, because we want you to understand that that's not what it means to be truly organized. We can get you to looking like Pinterest and be organized too. But if you just look at the picture and you think, okay, that's what I want. 
but you don't understand the whole what it really needs to be organized, you're going to be off. But then when it comes to visioning, we say, okay, for visioning, Pinterest is really good. Because Pinterest, looking at those pictures can give you, again, that self-awareness. Because you asked before, like, how you might want to start with the visioning is just, again, gaining that self-awareness about what your triggers might be. And, and so, like, when you're looking at pictures, do you like pictures where you don't see anything on the counter? Or do you like it where you see things very organized? You know, that could give you a sense. It could be a color, color might be something. Shapes of things might be something. You know, like we actually, I'm sorry, Amy, to jump in, but I just wanted to make this point. Like we actually don't suggest, yes, have your ideas, but don't, we, we actually suggest not to buy organizing products initially because I've made that mistake. Depending, <laughs> depending on what space you have left or what space you've created for yourself might change from when you first, like your ideas might change from when you first started. So it's really almost like key to just be like, all right, let's just, let's just do it with like, I can't think of the 99 cent store type of type of items. Let's stick with the inexpensive things. Let's stick with things that boxes or whatever that we can use because then at least in the interim, you are organized and you're able to find what you need. Then you can take it to the next level and be like, you know what? All right. Based on this space, let me measure out my dimensions. Let me figure out what works. What? Let me go to the store, take some pictures, bring my measurements with me. And then you're able to like kind of, you know, create this look and this appeal and this bigger vision or getting close to that Pinterest vision that you want. But you really need to, like Amory said before, you can't go from A to Z immediately. You have to kind of just get minimal first with what you absolutely need in that space and then move forward. Because that supports like the establishing the behavior first. Like if you learn the behavior and you test out the systems and then you find that they work and you're using shoeboxes, then you can go invest in stuff that's really going to support you. And then it all looks nicey nice. And then it's like, then you have the double, then you have the win-win. Right with that. Yeah. But sometimes people buy the organizing because they're just like, oh, maybe I can use this to get organized, but they don't really have, it's kind of like this idea that's floating up here rather than grounded in more intention based on knowledge. Yeah. yeah. So, I've done that before, get... moving into a new place and just being like, okay, well, it's got to look like I'm doing it now and I'm actually having to regulate myself because it's like, it's weird moving into a new place. I don't have the same amount of furniture at all. So there's a lot of empty areas and it's like, I want to just fill it already, but I know I've made that mistake before where I need to see how I actually use the space and I need to see what's most important and buy one thing at a time, even if it takes me months to make this feel like a home, you know? So that makes perfect sense. Step that to people, live with the space, even if it's with the inexpensive things that you bought temporarily. Live with the shoe boxes, live with the plastic containers that you might have bought from Target until you feel like it works. Because sometimes buying the products first, then you're retrofitting those mm-hmm. products. You know, you're trying to fit certain things that you think would work and it's not going to work. It is really very key to like understand that. I know I'm probably going off on something else too, but like when it comes to bringing things into the home, a lot of times people will bring something into the home thinking that it's going to work or thinking that they have the space for it. And then it's kind of like they end up buying without really knowing what they have already. It's the inventory principle that I'm trying to bring up, Amory. And that's usually 
you're, you're your space, you know, worrying about maximizing the space, right? First and worrying about space later. So when you're truly organized, and that's why that chapter is so meaty, chapter 10, which is manage your space so you can manage your inventory, right. is that when you have mastery over your space and it's running like a well-oiled machine, you don't make impulse buys. Anything that you're buying is with intention. You don't buy yeah. it first and then worry about what you're going to do with it later, and then you're stuck, and then you're stressed, and then it starts this negative chain reaction. You're buying from intention, so you're not overbuying. You're not, you don't have so much inventory that you can't consume it enough. You're not throwing away stuff because it expires. You know that when you put something on your list, it's because you really need it. And if you do say, hey, I really like that. I don't care. I'll figure it out. You understand from a space standpoint that something will have to give in order to accommodate that. And again, it comes from that personal mastery. And so you're not expending all that energy. Again, it is so, you know, there's something about the paradox of choice. You know, Americans, and I think it was uh, people in, in America and the UK want the most amount of choice. They want a million types of shampoo. They want a million things on the menu. But that all depletes us. That takes right. our mental resources away from more important decisions. That actually Which, reminds me of when I became vegan. My husband and I both talked about it where... You want, like, people go to, like, you know, those big restaurants that have, like, I'm thinking of a specific one, but whatever. And it has, like, 20 pages of menu with everything in it. And then they sit there and it's, like, indecision the whole time. And now it's, like, now it's, like, there's normally one to two things on the menu that I can eat. And it's perfect because I'm, like, the most decisive person eating now because I'm just, like, that, of course. It makes perfect sense. And it reminds me, what you were saying reminds me of one of my really good friends is, enviably neat. And I think about him whenever I'm doing things because it's like, he's just so opposite of me. And he had a a kid and he's talking about, you need less than you think you do. We have a a strict rule, one toy in, one toy out. So (laughs) you don't need to accept all the gifts that you get, all of those things. But that brings me to a question. We've actually covered quite a bit We've talked about goal setting, visioning, sorting like with like, having everything have a home, creating associations between things and where they live, making sure that you finish the task. We've gone over a lot of stuff, but I know that some people feel like a a little demotivated because they're like, what if I do all this work and I can't get my family members on board? Do you have any tips to, because you guys were talking about, it was kind of the family chaos that inspired a lot of this. How do you really voice that why or get them on board with all the things that you, all the hard work that you've done? Have a family meeting. A lot of times we think that our families are mind readers sometimes, and sometimes it really is just about communication. And we get a lot of um, reactions from our clients that they tell us that their family members have to when they start getting organized. And it ranges, it, it ranges from no reaction at all, which is actually very demotivating when you've really worked hard and you've put your blood, sweat and tears and you've worked so hard. And then, you know, your family comes home and it's like, Oh, it doesn't even look any different. You paid for that. Wait, what? And that's demotivating. Then you get the people that try to say, Hey, did, did you touch my stuff? You know, because it, it, then it shines a light on their disorder. The more organized you get, it kind of shines a light sometimes on their disorganization and that throws them into a tizzy if they're not ready. And Sometimes it's just as simple as, I didn't know why you wanted to do this. You know, people think, again, organizing is just straightening up or cleaning. So when you have a family meeting and you kind of say, listen, guys, if we get this area or these areas of our home in order, 
this is how our lives are going to be better. And what would help you? Like, we're going to do this space. What does this space need to do for you? How can it serve you? And you get them their buy-in to the process. First of all, it shows them respect. It's not just you against the world. You know, you live in a house. I mean, sometimes you live alone and you're only accountable to yourself. And other times, you what you're doing is it going to impact every family member. So when you show them that respect, sometimes it's just that simple. You know, they get to put their input into it. And then again, they now have a buy-in and they're motivated to say, hey, yeah, oh, I never really thought about it. Oh, and then they're part of the process. That really goes a long way. That is the key thing too, is, is having them be part of the process because then, then they not only do they see that you're respecting their stuff, also they understand how much heart and sweat goes into creating a space that everybody can enjoy. And then the ultimate goal is if everyone can use that space efficiently for their own purposes, or even just as a family, like even just being able to have like family game night to be able to like, just have a family, family time and have quality time. I mean, you don't think that your 10, 12, or even your teenager would care about spending time with you if things just weren't so chaotic sometimes, even just to try to find a particular game might end up being like this big, tremendous task. But the buy-in and the, and the feeling of them being part of the process, they, they end up getting like that feeling of like pride and like, this is for me too. And it's not just to make mom happy. And also I think like Amber and I have talked about this a lot is if it is someone else's stuff that you're touching Give them the respect of like, you know what, instead of sorting through it, maybe put it to the side and let them know, okay, this is what I found that was yours that was in this space. And I got to tell you, you'll get a couple of reactions. One might be is, oh my goodness, thank you so much. I've been looking for that all over. I couldn't find it, whatever. And a lot of times it just might be like Amory said, well, it's drawing attention to their disorganization because now they've attributed. And I can't tell you how many times we've had one spouse blame the other. And meanwhile, when, when that happens, we become like almost counselors sometimes and people because we'll have them work together with us. And sometimes Amory and I will split and one will take one spouse, one will take the other. <laughs> and we want them to have a meeting of the minds. And when they see that it really isn't just one-sided that they have some part in the disorganization, then there's a little bit more of like, okay, I'm not being fair. And let's do this together as a group. I mean, I'm thinking of that one client who had a whole family really get involved at one point. And then it came down to the basement and a lot of it was her husband's things. And she just felt like he needed to be a part of it. And he bought into that because he had seen the results that she was having with her own things. So it was a positive reaction for her and for that family. I don't know if that answers your question, but being patient. And being patient, understanding that this is not just, oh, we put this here now. And now all of a sudden we have this new system that everybody is going to master immediately. <clears throat> it's, you know, it takes time to establish new behaviors and new habits because you can't throw out an old habit. You can only establish a new habit. I mean, behaviorally, and again, jumping into that whole neuroscience thing, that neuroplasticity or the development of habits is you're replacing an old habit with a new habit. And that takes time because you have to create those new neural pathways. So telling somebody once, oh, this goes here, and then getting upset with them if they, because they're so used to 
not putting something there, or they're used to it not having a home at all. And, you know, they have to, having grace for yourself and having grace for your family, giving them the patience of time to learn and establish the new behaviors and being, you know, gentle in the reminder. Oh, no, no, no. Don't remember. Now we're going to do it this way. And over time, learning as a family how to incorporate the new behaviors. Because the more you do it in that repetition, that's what creates those new neural pathways and makes them stronger and stronger. They become more like ridges in the brain rather than just a touching thought. And then after a while, it becomes second nature and it becomes something that you just do. Like we don't have to relearn every day how to brush our teeth. We don't leave the house without brushing our teeth. It's just something that you do. Can you imagine if we had to relearn the mental energy that would be spent doing that? If we had to teach ourselves how to get out of bed, how to get dressed, how to brush our teeth, the body learns, you know, the mind learns how to do all of that. So you need to have time for everybody to learn the new system because in the meanwhile, it is very tiring because their brain has to shift from the old behavior and the old mindset, the old association, and switch to the new one. So it's important to have self-compassion as well in the process. It doesn't mean you're not organized. It doesn't mean you don't get it. It means that you just need time and commitment, and it's the repetition of it. Right. Those I am statements of, I'm so careful now of anything that follows I am because I know I'm just affirming whatever I'm saying. So if I'm saying I am lazy, I am disorganized, my life is going to reflect that. So thank you guys so much for everything that you've shared today. I know I feel inspired to organize my space. I wish you guys lived closer. I'd be like, please come over. (laughs) But for listeners who are resonating with you and want to learn more about adopting these behaviors, whether it's working with you personally or about your book, where's the best place for them to connect with you online? Ah, well, our website is www.organizemeny.com. And we are also very active on Instagram and Facebook at Organize Me NY, and also on YouTube, Organize Me of New York. And we're both on LinkedIn. So we, we love hearing from people and we're very, very open and receptive. Slip into the DMs, give us a question, we're, let's get a conversation started look on YouTube, like watch our videos, check out the website. And then obviously the book for people that love to read and want to get a jumpstart on learning the basics, the base, they're simple principles, but they have powerful impact. And so the the book Beyond Tidy, which is available, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all major online sites. All of the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash x15. So you probably already know what your challenge for this week is going to be, don't you? Yup. Tidy some shit. Like, pick one area and decide to clean it. I recommend doing the most prominent area of your house, the area that you see the most, the area that's going to affect your day-to-day productivity. So we just moved into a new place and... We don't have enough furniture for this spot and we had boxes everywhere and we both had a ton of stuff to do. And so it was just really overwhelming for me for a while. I'm like, I really need to be productive right now and I can't. So I just organized one room. I made my little home office adorable, a place that was inviting, that made me want to come in and work in it. And I swear it is my happy place. It's where I go when I need alone time. It's where I go when I just want to recharge and it's making such a difference in my life. And the funny thing is 
Doing it in one spot motivates me to do it in more spots. So since then, I've taken one area at a time and I've organized, taking everything out to see what I have and then sorting it and seeing how to best place it back in its cabinets. So it's been a really tedious but kind of fun process, but mostly it's been just beneficial. So challenge yourself a little bit. This is an exclusive episode, so normally exclusive episodes are for members only, but I'm making this accessible to everyone because I think it could be really helpful for you guys. We're spending more time at home. Traditionally, our offices might be a little bit more organized than our home life is. There is so much to transition with this new work from home process for a lot of people. And so I thought bringing you some practical, applicable tips for your life to just get organized and see how your environment really does affect your mind could be useful. So if you like getting twice the episodes in a month, head to mindlove.com slash premium for more information on how to sign up. If you liked this episode, don't forget to hit that little share button or take a screenshot and share it on social media and tag mindlovemelissa. And finally, if you love Mindlove, please consider leaving a review in the Apple Podcast app, or you can do it in the podcast app on desktop as well. Just leave a five-star review with a little blurb on why you love it, and you will be my favorite human. So other than that, thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next time.